up, everybody? You know what this is. It's the best gaming podcast side podcast edition, I guess what we'll call it. Sometimes I do these, sometimes with patrons, sometimes not. But today is Monday. I jumped into this morning, released a review, realized I had covered a bunch of games over the weekend and didn't really have a way to talk about them. So I figured I'm going to do this side podcast review. Going to talk about some rumors in video games. Going to talk about a couple games that I've been playing. Going to give you a bit of a hardware review for the Unreal Glasses. As always, I am still giving away five copies of Dead Space. If you review, take a picture of your review, the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, what have you. Review the podcast, leave a nice comment, or leave a comment if you have any actual critique. Try to be nice because you realize there's other people who are going to be reading that when it comes to people on the staff. But I would love for you guys to do that. Take a pic, send it to me in Twitter, the email that's on my account, what have you. And then at the end of the week, most likely this coming Friday, we'll announce the winners. I really do appreciate people reviewing these. We'll try to do a contest every once in a while. So let's jump into this. You're going to notice that there's no actual video up for today. That's because I've got my entire system set up for recording games. So I want to give people just a little bit of the behind the scenes. Somebody asked me one day, they were like, man, what's your studio like? Let's talk about this. No studio. I don't have a studio. I don't have the money for a studio. I am in a one bed bedroom. It's my bedroom I share with my wife. It's the smallest room in the house, unfortunately, but it's in the best place that we can have it for what I need to do, which is to have a lot of electronics running. However, what that also means is that I have to make sure that I don't have things set up all over the room. In fact, they can only be really contained to my desk. So my desk is a mess. What that also means is sometimes I've got, you know, uh, two or three cameras for a D&D game we may be playing on the weekend with patrons, one or two camera setups for taking some pictures of some promos or that kind of stuff, one or two that are set up for the podcasts that we do, and then maybe one or two of those actually take in input from games, uh, game consoles, and put those into the PC itself. So... It's just, it's ugly. It's nasty. I've got wires strewn everywhere. I've got multiple screens strewn everywhere. It's never been a situation that I'm absolutely in love with. But that also means that sometimes I can't throw those cameras up. So I'll probably throw some generic space video or something like that. I apologize. It's just one of those things. Maybe I'll give you a, a nice, uh, maybe I'll do a nice old style equalizer. Yeah, I'll do an old style equalizer for this. I'll try to find an old style one for you guys. But let's look at what we've got to cover First thing I want to cover is SpongeBob. Now, I'm going to cover this in Friday's podcast, but this is a side podcast. And to reward you guys for listening, I'm going to talk a little bit about some side stuff that will probably be missed on Friday's podcast just because we have so many people in there who want to talk about games that may not have played this. And the review is out. So, a lot of people may not want to hear me regurgitate some of that stuff on the Friday podcast. But let's talk about SpongeBob and why I liked it. So when you look at SpongeBob SquarePants Cosmic Shake, one of the first things that you take away from it is that it is a pure platformer. It truly is. And what I mean by that is, is it's highly confident with just offering you platformer-specific gameplay without a bunch of extra stuff. There's not a bunch of weapons. There's not really a bunch of collectibles other than the actual clothing and costumes that SpongeBob can get. It is more about that platforming pureness. What I mean by that also is that it skews a little bit less difficult in a way that sort of makes you want to go back and try it again to be more to do it more quickly and you certainly see that in a couple of the side challenges where they do have timers and you can do them and they'll be like all right you got it done in 3 minutes do you want to try for a shorter amount of time you can always go back and do so but i really enjoyed that i enjoyed 
that sweet nectar of saccharine look that you get from these highly saturated games. And I got to tell you what's interesting about this title is I turned it on with the first couple minutes. I was like, hmm, it's pretty bare. It, it reminds me a lot of their prior games. So we'll just have to see. And I saw some other people saying it reminded them a lot of their prior game. And I got to say, in the same way that a sequel would, yeah, for sure. Cosmic Shake does remind you of their prior games, but it definitely looks better and it feels better. And I don't know what to tack that onto exactly other than that this company has decided, this developer has decided to go with just one character. Now, this is something that it, it just delighted me when I first heard about this. They stated, hey, we're going to go to one character away from three and we're going to give that character, we're going to have those costumes sort of match up with the events that are going on in the game. And I got to say, coming away from this title, that is its juice. That's the magic. That's exactly what I found out I liked. It's the one time when sometimes you go to a movie and you're like, something didn't click, something didn't click, what was it? And you find out maybe it was mixed incorrectly. You didn't like one actor or how they were portraying things. Something about it just was a little off. And that was the prior games for me, even though I liked them somewhat. This game, it really does feel better with just SpongeBob as the actual main character. It really works. And getting the costumes, man, it was just all, it was all sort of identified around him, even though those other characters are with you the entire time. The voice acting, of course, was really good. Music was a bit different. I talked about in that review where the music is jumping from place to place and there's really no connective tissue that you get between musical scores. And I think that we've seen that in prior games, but a lot of times the artists who jump from a Western world to a futuristic one, what have you, have a tendency to overlap some instruments to give you a connective tissue between those instruments. But what happens here, and at least I think, is that because the game has, or the show has been around for so long, and the show itself has changed the dynamics and themes of the music that it's actually played during the cartoon itself, because it's gone on for so long, music changes, I think that they decided, hey, let's just reflect each one separately. And there isn't really a musical, I guess you would say, overall tone anymore for the animated series, or wasn't when it was going. I, whether you agree with me or not, I just I think when I came out of it, that's what I felt. That's what I got from this. That's sort of what I pulled away it was like, all right, I understand. But pure platforming style is what this is about. You'll get into battles which aren't necessarily incredibly difficult. You can die. But as I said, most of the time, most of the time, you would possibly end up dying due to inattention. You're not going to die due to the battle being incredibly difficult. It's not that kind of game. It's more of a exploration. It's more of a scene, just how enjoyable it is to play and explore these worlds. And I certainly died on some jumps. That definitely happened where I thought I timed a jump just right. And because they were moving platforms, you know, I missed them. And I'm like, okay, that, that works for me. That's exactly what I wanted. But the game just consistently shows itself up also in the landscapes. You start out in the Western world. I talked about the Halloween one. I won't talk about too many more. I actually tried to make sure that the review didn't show a couple of those lands because I want to make sure that people are surprised by them. But it's very difficult, very difficult many times to talk about a game without showing something but I can tell you guys without any spoilers, it's just each one of those locations had its own way of going about and its own special move. And there's, you know, I can't spoil this, but there's one level and it's not very far in. I think the second or maybe the third where you go in and you're just like, oh, this is pure fun. As in they sort of understood not to make it so intricate that you're stunned by them. There's a lot of game developers that make you think, man, this person is just trying to sort of show off their level chop designs by being like, hey, look how intricate we can be. There is never that with SpongeBob SquarePants. It's not about that. 
Instead, it's about SpongeBob SquarePants. That's the thing it's about, and that's what it should be about, and that's why it was so enjoyable for me. So that's my review for that done. I want to talk a little bit about Age of Empires 2, the definitive edition for the console. I posted on Twitter. I posted on a YouTube community post. I haven't had a chance to really put together any kind of edited video for this. But I got to tell you guys, I jumped into this and I did not know. I did not know what I was going to get. And there's two things I took away from Age of Empires definitive edition on the console. Two specific things. One for the most part, the controls work. There's a lot of different hot buttons you can do. There's a lot of different shortcuts, and they don't require a ton of thinking once you understand them. For the most part, everything applies in the same way. The left trigger is always pretty much going to do a specific thing no matter what unit you're looking at or if you're looking at bare ground. The right trigger will most likely do the same. Holding the right trigger and looking at the different things that a villager can build, and then tapping the Y button will bring up like the military building. That all makes sense. It's all pretty much exactly. Once you understand right and left trigger, uh, tap on the Y button to switch, and that Y button will do something else in a different place, but it will most likely be connected. There's a, there's a really good overall feel of everything making sense. Somebody sitting down and saying, well, we can't have the right trigger do this thing because over here it does the exact opposite, and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So that worked. Also, what worked is the graphics. So first of all, this has PC level optimizations and, and options, sorry, which really stunned me. Everything from different settings for the graphics to diving into like the waterfall settings, how, how much the water is rendered in 3D versus 2D. I was stunned at how many options this game had for the console. I was playing on the Series X. So I'm playing and I got to tell you, the big thing was jumping between the different cultures and seeing the different cultures. I had forgotten how different Age of Empires shows those different cultures, whether it be the warriors, whether it be this, the towns themselves and their color makeup or what have you. It just was awesome to jump into, let's say, some uh, European-style uh, campaign and background and then jump into South American jump into you know something in pre pre United States that kind of stuff that it was it was actually very cool to see those kind of things and just be like oh man this is great how they made each one really reflective and what was interesting is i would love to have scrolled in more be able to zoom in more you can zoom in to a good amount i was thinking to myself man i wish i could zoom in more and then i realized it was the best problem to have and the problem was I liked the look of it so much. I was like, this looks really good for a console, like a console RTS of this scale. Now, scale is the other thing. When you jump into some of these, there is the chance of three to four people battling it out. And I got to tell you, I did a campaign where there were three good guys on my team and then myself and then a bad guy. That was the campaign story, right? And this was, I believe, uh, what was this? Was this Cambodia? This was like, it was one of the, it was Cambodia or Korean. Um, I can't remember because it's in a different menu when you go to choose, you, you know, that you choose sort of by location in the world. And it wasn't the main map location. I can tell you that. It was one of the side options. And I jump in, right? And I got all different kinds of creatures. And I'm looking at these. And it says, you don't need to really go and attack everybody, but you need to keep these other three alive who will side with you against this evil empire who is the main power on the map. And man, once two or three of them found me and really started going to town, you know, you basically hold the right bumper to bring up a, a, an extra large version of the mini map that's over on the lower right. And then you use your thumbstick to move anywhere you want and then basically tap a button and you'll teleport there instantly. 
And you can also hot key all of your different armies. So if you have a northern army, you could grab them all. And a southern army, you could grab them all. You could hotkey those so that it would only take really two buttons to get to them. And it would teleport instantly. However, you know, sometimes those guys die, right? And now you don't have that army and you have to hotkey another army. Something that we see in any RTS game. But it was a lot. It was a lot. Going three... Technically, four versus one is what it felt like <laughs> was rough. There were times where I was like, it's just too much. It's just too much. And then, you know, just kept plodding away. I right away had forgotten how to play. And I got to admit, it's been a while since I played in Age of Empire. So I really had to sit there and go like, OK, why am I getting ruined right at the starting? I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not building walls. I'm not building something so that if a bad guy attacks they just, they're in your town. And so, the you know, the next level I went in, I'm like, okay, I got to make sure, build some towns. So it also has really cool setups for telling all your natives to look for specific things. So, for example, when the game starts, you can be natives or villagers. You can say, go look for commerce kind of items. Go look for food items. Go look for basic building blocks to go up a level in your culture. You have a bunch of different options there. And when you choose it, all the villagers basically go boom and sort of disappear and go off on their own, which I thought was very cool. It really, it works, man. It works really well. It played really well, had a lot of options, but it is a RTS on a controller. And despite anything they may do, there can be some difficulties. Now you can get your keyboard and mouse, you can plug into your Xbox, supposedly. I didn't try that yet. And the reason why is because at this point, if I'm playing it on the, I'm playing it on the console, there's a reason why. And that's most likely the controller. And that's why I, I'm trying to do this. And I was able to do it with no real issues. It was just, you know, it, it, there can be a lot when you get yourself into the midst of three or four culture clashes. So that's my thoughts on Age of Empires. Now I want to talk about the Enreal glasses. This has been brought up and I want to explain real quick why I'm talking about this. I've been testing the Enreal glasses for about three or four months. This is not a paid for review. You guys know I buy every single thing that I cover no matter what, and I bought these. It's why you didn't see me when all the other YouTubers did Enreal Glasses reviews. I just, that's not going to be for me. They were trying to give them away for free. No deal could be met where it was like, no, seriously, let me just pay somebody. Uh, sometimes I will do a donation, which I think, you know, that works well, where I do a donation of the exact cost of the item if I really want to cover the item and I can't get money to them. But even that's sort of psychologically not the same. I really do like to pay for things myself. It just, um, you know, well, it's proven. There's no way around it. So I get these Enreal glasses and I start testing them. What are the Enreal glasses? They're a set of what would look to a normal person as sunglasses. And they have a cover so you can cover the lenses completely or be able to see through them. And they display, it, there's been guesstimates between 100 to 140 inch screen in front of you at about normal sitting distance. And I would agree with all those. At about normal sitting distance, what you're going to see with these Enreal glasses, you plug them into your console, you plug them into any USB device that has a video out. And basically what you're seeing is a TV that slightly by like what would what you would guess would be a quarter of an inch or one or two degrees FOV goes past your peripheral vision, which is perfect. I think that that's pretty much exactly what it will be. And of course, you could push the glasses up more in your nose or put them down a little bit if you wanted, and you could make it so you can see the entire thing. So that's up to you. But what this is are glasses at 1080p, and they're displayed in front of you. So that means, let's say you want to play your GeForce Now 
or you want to stream to an Android device, but you don't want to clamp a Bluetooth controller to your Android device, and you certainly don't want to use mo. I mean, we're not animals. Nobody's using motion control. That's just that's you're a pure animal if you're doing that. So what would you do? Well, what these allow for, as long as your uh, your phone and it's on a compatibility list for most phones are, but you would want to check first. But you can plug this in. And it now works on Xbox and PS5. I believe there's a small adapter you have to buy, but it does work for those. And you can plug it in and you can play. And that means you can lay down and play. You just hold the control in your hand, lay down, and the wire's connected to whatever device, and it just plays. It just works. Uh, I'm just going to say it. It just works. And it does. It does give you a large display at 180p. Now, some people may say, oh, I want this at a higher P. Well, I will tell you this. The picture's good enough. A little bit saturated, I would say, on the red side. But luckily, with almost any device out there, you can figure out a way to you know, adjust that a little bit. But I got to say, most games you're able to jump into anyway and turn sharpness up just a smidge if that's what you want. But I was stunned that it did not look soft. That actually has a fairly good picture. And when I say fairly good, I mean it looks like a TV which I can say most of these VR glasses you put on don't look like a TV. Another thing is I cannot see any uh, screen door at all. Super sharp. I can read any kind of writing anywhere on a HUD, even those games that have the 4K HUDs that we've heard about were notoriously difficult to read. I was able to read with no issues whatsoever, and I need glasses for reading, and I didn't have my glasses on for this. There was no need for them. That was actually incredibly surprising. Uh, what also was surprising is the brightness for these friggin' things. I was telling people in the Discord, it is like two supernova put on your friggin' face. Now, I get it that some people are not going to have such an issue with brightness as I do. I have had uh, eye surgery, and I had cataracts, injury-induced cataracts, so we've, we've sucked out my old lenses and put new ones in, and they are hyper-clear. That is something that's known. But I will say this. Everybody I've talked to has said the same thing, that turning them down three, four, maybe five clicks, you do that on the side of the earpiece is probably best. You really don't need to have it as bright as they do on their default, but that would be up to you. Also, if you put the shade on, it's this black cover that goes over the glasses. It, of course, will allow no light in, and that screen will be even brighter. It's really up to you on how you do it. There's also an app you can use. I wasn't too happy with the app. I think the app, in fact, uh, their their real support of the app hasn't been great on Android devices. So you get on there, you plug it in, and you can basically do something that you can't do in the normal USB out, which is freeze the screen, which is the one big weakness this has, and I'll talk about in a second. But uh, what you can do is do some augmented reality with it. They've got their own little baby store and stuff. That's not the greatest part. The Really, the greatest part of this would be playing video games without a screen in front of you or needing one at all or watching shows or, you know, Pornhub. Whatever you want to do, you could do on these glasses and the audio doesn't leak that much either. I noticed that it uses the kind of misdirected audio that we've seen in Quest. We've seen, I believe, Index uses that where they use a piping system and get the audio to you and it's not earplugs and it works and it works fine. There's various ways you could use earplugs with these, but that would be another wire or a wireless. You know, you could use wireless, obviously, for that. But uh, I've been happy using just the audio from those glasses for the most part, especially for TV shows and movies. It's not going to be the best audio in the world. It's certainly not up to this, you know, comparison. I have the Samsung, whatever it is, 14.1 inch main tablet device. This thing is gnarly and it's got like, I swear to God, it almost has home theater sound. It's incredible. It's not like that. But 
What the NREAL glasses do is they really do detach you from having to sit in a certain position if you want to play games. I've laid down I've I've laid down when I hurt my legs from martial arts or or they're hurt, they're sore, you know, elevate my legs, sit on back, put your feet up, play. That all works with this thing. It's quite surprising. And for whatever they are, I think they're 399, that's the problem, right? And you can get them on sale. You can get, you know, I've seen them on 299 on sale too. Um you can get them for sale in different places, so you would want to watch the price. But for the, a gamer on the go who wants to do these because they work with the Steam Deck, they work like I said, they work with any really USB out. The idea that they work well is pretty stunning. They also have no leg that is really test. I would say you're talking less than five milliseconds leg. It's ridiculous. To give you a test of that, what I was doing was I was messing around with uh, streaming. And I was messing around streaming directly from my PC as well as using a splitter and using the HDMI converter uh, that you can get for this for using your consoles. And I was testing by looking not only at the screen in front of me, but using the Unreal glasses at the same time. So I was able to see a screen with a screen because I'm like exhibit that way. It's like, yo, dog, I heard you like screens. But I wanted to see if there was a perceptible difference for this wireless and how it worked uh, and how quickly it displayed. And I got to say... Man, that that I there was just no issues. It, they just worked insanely well, and of course that's connected to USB C is out and how the, the video displays work. Uh, they're pretty set in stone and how they work, and they're fairly good. But yeah, that's I mean I gotta say I'm not gonna say buy them, don't buy them, what have you. I'm just gonna say for the price they're gonna fit a very distinct user base. But I got to tell you, if you're somebody who finds yourself really uncomfortable because you want to sit down and play a game, but you're not comfortable on your couch very long, or you sit in your chair and play PC games and you'd rather just lay down sometimes, maybe, you know, what have you, watch a TV show. I read multiple PDFs using these, and they work fine for that. But I was actually quite surprised. And the cool thing is because it's, you know, streaming something to it or playing something on your current device, whatever it's plugged into, that means any video changes you make other than, you know, trying to change that resolution to 4K, it's actually going to make those. So you can go into a game, you can turn sharpness or brightness up, and it will affect that picture. You can turn saturation up or down. So not bad. The big issue with these, the big negative, is that the Unreal glasses currently using USB-C out do not allow for you to freeze the display in place. Now, why does this matter? Because you have a heartbeat. This is something VR streamers always notice. We think we're steady. Everybody thinks you're steady in real life. I mean, I've done martial arts now for over 30 years, and you'll, you know, you're holding your hands out, and you feel like you're pretty steady, even if you're tired. You know, my 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 hand ain't shaking. Oh yes, it is. Not only is that happening, but your heartbeat is raging through your body. And I got to tell you, if I even laying down while playing with these glasses, at times, uh, if if something happened or I slightly moved, the, the screen moves with you in that particular format that you're using it in that particular app use that it's, it freezes and it's a real detriment. It's something that I wish they could fix. Supposedly it's fixed, you know, in the app it can do that, but it can't do it using the USB-C out because it's seeing a device and in real life it doesn't know where the device is, right? So what they need to do is make sure the app maybe in some way handles that USB-C out, and I don't see that happening with this particular headset. Does that destroy the headset for me? No. It's noticeable at first. It goes away. But some people who are, let's say, susceptible to motion sickness, if you were to you know, be rocking back and forth in your chair 
Well, that screen is going with your head, right? It's connected directly to the glasses. So you be the judge on that. Another thing I want to talk about, which really surprised me, is Callisto Protocol was beat two to one when it comes to Dead Space's revival and remake in the numbers on Steam. And um, it's down to like 300 concurrent players on Callisto Protocol, which is bad. But the reason why I bring it up is it's really surprising because one of the things I don't usually push is remakes. I'm not a huge fan of remakes. They're fine if they're done well and I'll jump into them, but they don't carry really any of the true excitement for me. And seeing the seeing the remake come out, the question was, I think for a lot of people, oh, you know, will the remake do well? And this is something that we're, we see with a lot of these games, even a, a system shock that's coming out. You see, you know, there's sometimes more worry about that than a sequel. And with Callisto, there was this thought process of like, oh, it's, you know, the it's it's these guys, it's this kind of thing, it's going to do really well. And, uh, it, you know, it had all kinds of technical issues, just tons, whether you liked it or not. I mean, those technical issues, that is why we're looking at the, at the current numbers is because people, regardless, you know, you might be one of the 328 people, but that game just did not resonate. And to see uh, Dead Space resonate is at least on the positive side impressive because I think Dead Space is a good, genuinely good game and alleviated the concerns I had, including concerns around the AI director, which was somewhat noticeable, but not really. I would say far toned down than I expected, especially in the medium difficulty. So I play on hard, medium, easy. I play them on all of them, just see which one, like, or how they feel overall. And I would say on the harder difficulty, you definitely noticed, of course, the speed of the enemy stuff we've seen before. But I think that AI director was popping them Johnny Appleseed aliens everywhere. And it really, it didn't it didn't bother me. It, it played pretty much exactly as I was hoping it would, hoping and praying it would. And it turned out to be the way it should be, which I think is stunning. I was really impressed by that. Felt like, hey, this is actually doing pretty much exactly what I wanted. And that's rare. That's something that you just do not see. And it was exciting to see that game come out and do well, especially after Callisto's, uh, well, not success. It was also something that we brought up. Josh Dumille Dumont has been in two pretty big flubs for video games. He was also in Call of Duty World War II, I believe, as the main character. So that guy's uh, that guy's chosen some wrong products. Sorry for him, man. But uh, yeah, man, maybe you need a different agent to help you with video game stuff. I don't know. But it's probably difficult to tell that Call of Duty would not be so great. I know some people like Call of Duty, World, uh, you know, uh, World War Two, but overall, I think most people assume that's one of the probably not one of the greater ones. So last year, we'll cover a couple of the leaks, a couple of the rumors going around. So something that I, I firmly stand behind is that Unreal, they are, they are sorry, not Unreal, but Halo is for sure going to Unreal, for sure. Um, they, like, that is, it is happening. I think even just now looking lately and looking at who's left, especially with a lot of the game engines people leaving, we can see that as well as some hires. But I was surprised to find out that this morning, Xbox was sending out research surveys, and this has been verified, I guess, but Xbox, the research survey starts with a question, are you done playing Halo Infinite? Yes, no, or maybe. And then they also say, do you think 343 Industries is listening and making changes to Halo Infinite based on community feedback? And uh, you have like six or seven, five or six choices on that one. But this new Halo survey has come out. And, you know, Microsoft is a bigger company. They do use surveys. I've been in companies that 
sort of send out surveys and don't use them, and then other ones that track surveys quite quite often. And not only that, but many times use professionals to sort of make sure the survey says what it's supposed to say without calling out particular people. Because you might have a group where somebody's very good technically, but not the greatest when it comes to their personal you know, ability to deal with others. And maybe it's not super important for their job. So a survey, a lot of times, let's say you're surveying for an employee's job performance, uh, a professional can go in there and say, you know, we don't need to hammer this person and add even more stress to them. But let's still make sure they know this is a place where they can improve. Microsoft is probably on the prior part of this where they ask these questions and most likely, most likely, I'm guessing, don't use the translators or interpreters and they're just directly getting this data 343 as well especially because all of this stuff has happened the the lack of obfuscation behind the scenes probably makes more sense be more clear and be like here's what we're asking are people still playing the damn game now here's a question or not a question but a comment i want to point out microsoft knows if you're playing the game that's the thing. Microsoft not only knows if you're playing the game, they know how long you're playing the game, what map you're on, how long you stand in a certain part of the map. They know every single thing about the game. So how long or how much or if you're done playing Halo Infinite, even if let's say you turn off your Xbox and play for your 48 hours where the certificate lasts, what have you, they do know overall what you're doing. What they're trying to really find out is the zeitgeist there. Are you done playing Halo Infinite? I will have people I know who would say yes, who would play it tomorrow. But they're like, yes, as in, are you done with the game of Halo Infinite? And that game also meaning the psychological back and forth between the company and the people. Are you pretty much, you know, will you go back to it? Maybe. That's not the question. Are you done playing Halo Infinite? And a person might say, yeah. And then tomorrow somebody says, hey, you want to play Halo Infinite? And they're like, sure, I'll jump in. It's just one of those things and how you ask questions. But it's interesting to get this. And the rumor, of course... Well, not the rumor anymore, but you have the massive layoffs at 343, which is unfortunate for everybody involved, but it looks like that's the way they want to go with this. And my personal assumption, I'm just going on an assumption here, but connected with the leaks that I have been told, uh, I think this all fits in with them sort of trying to gather the collected data to say, okay, we're drawing a line in the sand. Here's the end of Infinite. Let's start looking at and announcing, preparing to announce, preparing to show in the future, preparing to just think about, get ads ready, what have you, for their next Halo game. Which, like I said, I mean, they're not even really, they're not even really rumors when they're stated anymore to me. And it's not just one person that Unreal is where they're going with this. And I, I don't think that's overtly, like uncomfortable to discuss to me it makes sense because they can still do forge in that and in fact forge is really just like an unreal creator engine itself and they actually used a lot of what goes on in editors to figure out how to create forge so there's a lot of stuff they can do there and i feel like that's something that really we can we will leave it in the rumor box forever until it becomes a thing but overall that's it really does seem to me like they're starting to probably decide how to pull the plug and exactly how they go about it. Last but not least, let's talk about February's game. So you may have noticed I did not get a chance to do a February video. I'm just sitting back here. And it makes sense if you know how reviews work. I ended up getting a number of games for review, including some that haven't gone to review yet. And I've been playing some betas of some of those that are coming for review later, previews, all that kind of stuff. And when I looked at this list, I was like, okay, I could do a February list or I can get a review out for a game. And 
I think you can all agree those are great videos. They're fun to see, and sometimes they do well. But what I have noticed is that if I do that kind of stuff, when even a smaller game is there to review, it, a lot of people are a little bit lost, and they're like, oh, well, you know, he could have done a SpongeBob SquarePants review because he's already done two or three of those in the past. He's covered those games, so it's, it's apparent he likes those. Now, one thing to remember about me is it is just me. There's nobody else. Occasionally, I'll hire an editor, but that's so between here and now it's so rare so it usually is me doing everything on the channel so at some point there's just not enough almost everybody i know has at least two or three people on their team now and uses editors it only makes sense if you have that money i don't so i do all of this myself which means i sometimes have to pick and choose coverage so february i just didn't get into it so we're gonna do it now first is deliver us mars i'm excited for this uh it comes out on the second deliver us earth or whatever deliver us the moon sorry was a pretty good game, but Deliver Us Mars looks 10 times better than any of their prior games. It just looks like it's going to be sweet. Something about it looks like that perfect uh, mix of B kind of, you know, always the space isolationist kind of, of, of TV show slash movie. And something about it just really appeals to me. So that's coming out. That's February 2nd. So like people are jumping straight into it. Of course, if you're a football fan, soccer fan, uh, Football Manager 2033 comes out on the first for the PlayStation 5 as well. But then Life is Strange 2 is coming to the Switch. Just going to say it, I didn't think Life is Strange 2 was good at all. It felt insanely heavy-handed, and the writing was just a prelude to disaster. So I personally didn't like it, but I'm pointing it out because it's on the Switch. You also have Hogwarts Legacy, a little small game nobody's talking about, right? And that's February 10th. I think that that game is, I don't even have to say, okay, I'll say two things. I don't have to say I think it'll do well. Its sales are incredible they're beyond belief this whether you believe that's because the game is good and needs to pre-sale or because people are just excited about a new harry potter and that's why they pre-sale i don't know all i know is that that is the most insane pre-sale they are doing gangbusters already i would assume they have already when you look at pre-sales made a profit on that game which is nuts but their their sales and where it's been and how well it's been doing is just utterly mind-boggling. And again, I'm a Harry Potter fan. I know that people like that stuff. I mean, not a big one. I'm not like dressing up like Harry on Halloween or something, but I do know how popular they are. So that's February 10th. That's going to steal a lot of juice from all the others. Also, one thing to realize about Harry Potter that people are starting to really, I guess, come to grips with is that the world that they've set up is going to be a little bit of a GTA style. And it's going to have a lot of big stuff that you can fly around and you can do and a lot of collectibles. So you could say maybe a little bit of a Ubisoft kind of mentality in there or Horizon Zero Dawn, Forbidden West kind of mentality in there. I just have a feeling Hogwarts is going to eat up a good deal of the available bandwidth that gamers have for at least a little while. And that little while might only be five days because Returnal's coming to the PC. And Returnal coming to the PC is sort of a big deal. There's a couple reasons why. Returnal, when it first came out, was pretty crushingly difficult prior to a patch that they did for everybody. And I don't mean crushingly like it ruined people's lives, but I do remember people were like, I'm good at Dark Souls and I can't do this. Now, 
it, I find that funny because I'll be really good at one game and in the same genre because of the way the game is, works, I'm not good at the other one. I don't know if some people just think they're going to be good at every single thing. That's not how it works. It can take a little bit of time. And Returnal was a different style of game. It was far different than any of these those others, including speed and what you had to watch out for, how you had to play the game. It's been patched multiple times, quality of life patches that have really brought this into a much more easily digestible situation for a lot of gamers. And then it's also coming to PC. Now it does have some high PC specs. That's most likely what we're seeing is developers using Ram to replace the NVMe that's in the consoles, because for the most part, PC owners are usually using SSD. NVMe has certainly made some inroads, but due to its cost and just how big an SSD, a lot of people have their OS on an SSD. So what they want to do is they offset that caching that occurs on your console and they put it onto the NVMe. And we saw with Forspoken as well, using direct storage and getting that instant load and that will use some RAM. So it's got a high RAM requirement, but I think Returnal is going to do gangbusters as long as there isn't a technical issue with it. Now I say as long as there isn't a technical issue with it like that, could possibly not happen. We've seen a lot of issues with uh, with these titles and these ports. We've had a couple good ports from Sony and a couple terrible ports. And I don't mean terribles in forever, but I mean they launched in a rougher state than they would have liked. The, you, you could say the next one would be Tales of Symphonia or The Settlers' New Allies. Those are both coming out on the 17th. But you also have Wild Hearts coming out on the 17th. And here's the problem. It comes three days before Atomic Heart, and that's two heart games. Now, this has been brought up multiple times. Will that cause people to be confused or that kind of stuff? Probably not, but they do share the same headspace title-wise. That does happen. Um, for example, you have Returnal and Forspoken, and I know some people in their head, when you think of one, you think of the other because the names are weird. Returnal and Forspoken are like, that, those are weird names. So that kind of stuff does come up. And what happens is it can jumble up the bandwidth a little bit in a person's head. I'm not saying Wild Hearts and Atomic Heart are going to have an issue due to that, but I can see somebody in a discussion because this will happen. Somebody be like, which heart game is that? You know, is that Atomic Heart or is that Wild Hearts? People will think Atomic Hearts is Wild Hearts and Wild Hearts is Atomic Hearts. That's going to happen just because of the way humans use words. But I think both of those look phenomenal and are really exciting to come out. It's a tight time frame because... You're coming out of, let's say you're coming out of Returnal, you got Returnal on the 15th, then you have Tales of Symphony on the 17th, then you got Wild Hearts on the 17th, you got Atomic Heart just a couple days later, and on the same day as Atomic Hearts, you have Like a Dragon Ishin. And I got to tell you, at about that point, somebody's losing their mind, because somebody's looking at that going like, oh my god, we got a lot of games. So that's just the first 20 days of February. There are a ton of games there, and that doesn't include things like Pharaoh and, I mean, I'm looking here, the Pathless is another one, so just a ton of stuff. And then we jump into PSVR, and you've got Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Call of the Mountain, the PSVR itself, one day after that. That could cause some issues with just how the news cycle goes. It'll be very interesting to see what gains popularity in that time. Now, let me explain why, so that, so that you understand Wild Hearts is an RPG. Atomic Hearts is a shooter, not open world, more like open large hub. Like a Dragon Ishin is a third person action game, open neighborhood, right? And then you have Gran Turismo Eraser. You have Horizon Call of the Mountain VR Battler, and you have the PlayStation. 
there's a lot of companies that will probably hedge on holding some news back on a couple of these because the SEO search engine optimization, because of the SEO, they're nervous that something's going to get lost. Meaning if they post a PSVR video, no matter how much people are interested in tech, it might hurt or be hurt by something like atomic heart. If atomic heart is very, very good, but then other people might look at atomic heart and say, Hey, listen, this is on game pass, right? So if Atomic Heart's on Game Pass, let's let's not worry about covering it that much. And that can happen too. And that can get lost as well. Like a Dragon has really been hammering the commercials. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, man, but these guys are going ham on the commercials. They're like commercial after commercial after commercial. And I mean commercials. I'm talking about trailers on YouTube. They might have commercials too, but I mean the ones that you see on, on YouTube. They're just like, hey, man, we got a collectible card game. Hey, man, we got a Monster Hunter kind of stuff in here. I don't know if that's in there. I'm just now I'm just guessing and, and vibing on shit, but it's crazy. Like a Dragon has got a ton of PR that they're trying to push out because it can get lost. And that's why they're doing it because you also have after the fall. No, you don't. <laughs> after the fall is the game that was announced and then delayed multiple times. Probably not real moving on, but you do have Gran Turismo seven horizon call the mountain and the PlayStation, which are going to hit no matter what people are going to want to talk about those resident evil village on PSVR. People are going to want to talk about that. Those are pretty big games for February in a small contained period. When you start looking around the 15th when Returnal hits to around the 22nd when the PSVR hits. That's a lot of stuff. The one big unfortunate, uh, and if you're a PlayStation fan, just don't get mad. This is like, I don't know why you guys get so mad on this when I pointed it out with any other headset, any other thing. Just bear with me here. The For the most part, the PlayStation is a bunch of ports. And for that cost to get ports is not super exciting for a lot of gamers. So, when I talk about SEO, some companies, you know, your IGNs and stuff will have the SEO where they're able to throw up a bunch of videos about all this, but some smaller outlets may choose on one side or the other to say, hey, we're going to cover PSVR later when maybe there's a bigger game or maybe after everybody else is done covering it. So it's going to be really tight there. There's going to be so much news. And I, I can tell you guys just coming from not as a reviewer, but as a watcher, it's hard to be excited about that many games at one time. It's very difficult. In fact, it's almost impossible to be excited about that many games because when you do like a game and you're excited about it, what do you usually do? Dive into it more. And you can't do two things at once when it comes to that. You can't dive into Resident Evil more at the same time you're diving in, into Gran Turismo more as well as Atomic Heart more humans don't work that way we we can't you know we can't have alternate dimensions despite us wanting to so that's going to be a tight time period and it really slightly only very slightly eases up because you have blood bowl three now that's for me i'm I'm just saying this i'm probably the only fan in this podcast talking about blood bowl three right now i want blood bowl three to be good i like the blood bowl games i'm excited for the blood bowl game Case in point, I think I've reviewed most of them, and I review fantasy football games. I like the idea of Dungeons and Dragons and football. Games Workshop, one of the first box sets I ever bought. I washed 20 cars, and I mowed the lawn for, I mowed the lawn twice a week instead of once a week for, I think, six weeks to get the money. My parents slowly doled out a little bit more in my allowance, and they doled out the money for me to buy the board game of Blood Bowl 1. That thing was awesome. No game has come close to it, but I always hope. Then you got Company of Heroes, same day. Sons of the Forest. Now, Sons of the Forest, I think, is an early access one based on the Forest game. I could be wrong on that, but also on the 23rd. There's a tight couple games, all eclectic. 
I would say Company Heroes 3 and Blood Bowl 3 have a little bit of overlap being that they are more strategic, but you are looking at a large number of games. And then the very next day, Octopath Traveler 2, Destiny, Lightfall comes on the 28th, and Scars Above also on the 28th, a game that I put in two different uh, top 10 videos of mine that I'm looking forward to it. Scars Above is like a more RPG, slower, methodical returnal, as it, as in, you know, a, a protagonist with weird stuff going on, possible future aliens, not knowing, you know, what's going on in the story, that kind of stuff. That's the February games that I got on the list. That's not even the indie games. So February is packed. PlayStation, they're doing VR, which is going to be insane to see how that does, because I'm sure it's going to sell well just because the diehard, I mean, as far as I know, at least, diehard PlayStation fans, diehard Xbox fans, and Switch fans, for the most part, buy things other than, like, Labo, but that's because you could build it out of, like, some cat scratchers that you were going to throw away. I think with PSVR 2, it's going to sell well because it's VR, PSVR 2, Makes sense. People want it. I think GT7 is probably your best bet for a game that's really going to pay off. Especially now that we know Call of the Mountain, Horizon Call of the Mountain, has some really disappointing looking combat. Uh, I went from being high on that game, and then I started noticing a lot of previews were saying the same four things. Oh, you can put your hand in the water. Oh, you can do this. Oh, you can do that. But combat, and it was always but combat. And I started really reading the previews and and then going back and watching the trailers and realizing how tight that combat is and how it does a really odd thing where it locks you into battle and you circle around the enemy by like doing a dash button. It is definitely not what I was expecting when it came to the combat. And so that one is less on my list where GT has risen on my list because I didn't know there was going to be a GT. I was saying that's the game I want to see. They weren't doing it, weren't doing it, weren't doing it, finally are. And it, it's going to have mostly full support. Um, one thing about the PSVR also is that the system itself isn't very powerful when it comes to true VR and running VR. So we're going to have to see what they do, whether it be upscaling, how they handle refresh, all those kind of things, because the hardware people think like Foveted, we we already know. I mean, Foveted rendering has been tested on games and the it's not a double, you know, type of performance. It's not even close to double performance. So you do get a performance uh, improvement from that and they'll be working really hard to see just how much they can get out of it, especially with consoles. I think that's going to be super exciting to see. But I just being me, man, I just being honest this is the same way I, I was saying I felt about Dead Space until it came out and I got to play that remake. I'm not really looking forward to a bunch of ports and nor will I probably investigate a bunch of ports. I will probably play Resident Evil Village, maybe Horizon Call of the Mountain, Gran Turismo. Uh, but, you know, there's some stuff there that I probably am not going to be jumping into because I've just, you know, those there are ports that look better while I already have headsets that have right, higher resolution anyway. So or a wider FOV. So the idea of jumping back into those um, with a less powerful system isn't really super high on my list. Hopefully the comfort is high. I've heard that it was comfortable for 30 minutes and then after a while you do feel the weight, which that for a GT game, I would like the headset to be comfortable for about two to three hours minimum, just because I like you know racing games and I would love to see that. So that's exciting end of February, guys, gals. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of games. It's going to be phenomenal to see how these turn out. I'm excited for it. I hope you're excited for these podcasts. If you do get a chance to review it, you don't need a free game, right? Hash, <clears throat> let's do a hashtag. Let's say hashtag, I don't need shit. I'm just joking. You can do hashtag, I don't need nothing. Yeah, that'll be what it is. Hashtag, I don't need nothing if you got that far. 
uh, review the podcast on Spotify. You can review it on Spotify, by the way. There's a little number there that you'll see on the Spotify page. It, it'll say, I think we're at 4.8. You'll see that if you click it, it actually lets you review on Spotify. Uh, I found that out uh, recently. About six people told me when I said you couldn't or we couldn't find it, and then Abzi found it as well. And uh, that works out. If you get a chance to review the podcast, I would absolutely appreciate it. And if you want to join in to possibly win Dead Space because you're doing those nice things, take a picture of it, what have you, prove you did it, post it. Uh, like I said, you can use the emails that are on my Twitter accounts if you want to email me. Man, I just looked at how long I've been going, 47 minutes. It feels like four or seven, but not 47 Expect to see some more reviews from me. Walking the walks aren't dead either. I just am trying to pace myself because um, it's nuts, guys. It's nuts. It's exciting. I don't know why I'm whispering. Hashtag, why is he whispering? But I'm excited for it. I, I'm so excited that, to me, all of the negativity that comes out from some of this stuff is just completely washes off my back and I look at the games that are coming out, the games that are going to be out, the technology we're seeing, headsets from tons of companies, a little too expensive for my taste, but still coming out, uh, changes the technology, companies, you know, announcing new games, announcing remakes of games that I'm actually excited for. All this stuff is just happening daily. And it seems like such an awesome time. And I had an awesome time in 2022. I had people tell me there were no games in 2022. And I'm like, listen, I don't know if you do your calendar different, but my 2022 was jam-packed, and now it feels like 2023 even more so. Because remember, March brings the number one AAA game to come to consoles and PC. Probably the best game ever made, most likely going to win classics, uh, best game of the year, probably win game of the century, and that is, of course, Crime Boss Rocket City. If you guys don't know the game, go check it out because it has a B title. It looks awesome. That'll be it for me, everybody. Peace out. I hope you have an awesome time if you're listening to this.